Hey guys, we're so glad you're tuning into the Apex Students Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Apex Students, and we pray that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus. I've seen some of this at play. Again, amazing, amazing friend, but like most of us, like takes control, where he like makes a rule in the group chat, and I'm like, that, so me, I'm very collaborative. I like team decisions. So when someone makes a leader unilateral decision, this is how it's going to be. That is not how it's going to be, and I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that is not how it is. <laughs> like, they're great rules, too, but, but you don't just get to decide because you're the boss. Um, so I just don't feel like I, like, I don't like being bossed around. And sometimes Mario listens to the podcast, so I love you, buddy. It's true. I do. More than I don't like being bossed around, I love you. Uh, but it makes me wonder why I'm so resistant to that. What is it in me that doesn't like people making decisions for me? What is that? I don't know. Um, Maybe I have some control issues myself. That is definitely a possibility. So when people take control away from me or away from how I think control should be, I'm resistant to that. It's a selfish perspective, but I'm being honest. Pray for me. Um, But I think everyone has been here. I think everyone I know has had some sort of control and everyone a control issue, and they have a problem being bossed around. Everyone in here at some point has either wanted to or actually screamed, you're not the boss of me, right? Even when that person is the boss of you, <laughs> and, and just and rightfully so, maybe a parent, you just want to yell, you are not. We're going we're gonna to let off some steam tonight. Is that okay? All right? On the count of three, I need you to scream because you've never had, because many of you haven't done it. Many of you have, like, kept it bottled inside, um, especially, again, three sevens and eights, not only aggressive, but feelings repressed, so they like to bottle in their emotions sometimes. So if you are in this room, I need you to, on the count of three, yell, you're not the boss of me. I see people plugging their ears, and that's a smart move. All right? Ready? Three. Wait. Did I say on? It's after three. One, two, three. That's how we'll do it. We'll count up. Ready? One, two, three. You're not the boss of me. How did that feel? I feel better already, frankly. (laughs) I feel better. Thank you for humoring me. Tonight we're starting a series called Boss. Similar to Like a Boss. Just forget that that happened. That was not too long ago. We had a series called Like a Boss. But tonight we're starting a series called Boss. And we're talking about what we let boss us around in our lives. What we let be the boss of our lives. Who is the boss of your life? Because being your own boss sounds pretty great. Right? Being your own boss is something I can get behind. It sounds amazing. And we've talked a little bit about that in here not too long ago. Sometimes we're just the only ones that know what's best for me. I'm the only one that knows what's best. And sometimes that can be true. So the dream is to just call your own shots. You get to choose your destiny. I want to be the boss of me. There have been times that I've tried to take control. I've tried to be the boss, and it didn't turn out very well. I remember a time in college where I said some things um, to a friend that uh, some negative things about a team she was on, because I thought it was dumb that this team even existed. It should have been a part of another team. I won't bore you with the details. But I said to her, I made a dumb joke about how her team was dumb to her, disregarding her very, very personal connection to the team. (laughs) And so later I found out that this deeply hurt her, and she exploded later. Later it it really came up. But I... Wanted to show everyone how smart and funny I was, so I made a joke that I did not need to make. Uh, there's danger in being your own boss. And sometimes when we are our own boss, we might think that we are all that matters. We might think we are all that matters. When I was a kid, my friends would love to, we would take sticks and we'd like sword fight with sticks, right? Have you done that? 
really dangerous. And, and I constantly we were told not to bring out half of a live lilac bush out of the ground to just smack. We got really in trouble that time. But so I can't tell you how many times we would do this with sticks, and then someone would tattle. Like, you know you're going to get in trouble too, right? Somehow, the person who got hit with a stick too hard and started crying and went and told somebody's mom, they didn't get in trouble, but we did. Or if a stick broke and, like, stabbed somebody, very common. Or the worst one is whenever you clash these two sticks together and then bark would rain down into your eyeballs. Yes, that is a, vi a vivid memory. <laughs> uh, many a time, bark in my eyeballs. And we knew that we were not supposed to be doing that, but we did it anyway. So there's danger in being your own boss sometimes. When we, are our, or when we are our own boss, we can cause a lot of damage. <laughs> we can cause a lot of damage. All the time, God's giving us cues in life. We believe as Christ followers, he talks to us, he speaks to us, and he teaches us how to live. And many times, sometimes I'm a good listener. Sometimes I do what he has asked me to do. But many times, God has given me a cue to, for example, to pray for someone or to give someone something or, or financially bless someone or say something to someone or do something for someone. And I was not a good listener in that moment. I just thought that I knew better or I was or I chickened out and I wanted to be the boss of myself and I didn't do it. So there's danger in being your own boss. When we are our own boss, we can miss out on God's best for us. Being your own boss sounds great but it's not always the best idea. When it comes to this topic of who your boss is, here's what I especially want to talk about today. Um, especially when you're a teenager, there's a fine line between independence and idolatry. Independence and idolatry. And so what I mean by independence is that you're learning to lead yourself. Your parents don't make all your decisions anymore, so you're getting these, this, this freedom, and leading yourself is independence. But you can also, independence is a great thing, but you can also make yourself an idol. You can, you can put yourself above people, not lead yourself, because that's good. But you can put yourself above other people, above your parents, above God, and that is idolatry, and idolatry is never okay. Let me explain what I mean by idolatry. In the book of Exodus, we read about God and his people. God freeing his people, saving his people from slavery in Egypt. We talk about this a lot because it's a really great uh, picture of God and his people. So he leads his people out of Egypt after a series of miracles, one of which he splits a sea in half so that his people can walk through it. That's some pretty major mystery. Uh, miracle. Mystery. Miracle mystery. Where he, whatever, he parts a sea and his people walk on dry land where there's, you've seen the Prince of Egypt, right? There's, there's a whale like right by them and then and they're out of the water, and the Egyptian army's like, I guess so. And then they go after it, and then they're, <laughs> there's water everywhere. And, and the, God has delivered him, delivered his people from the pursuing army. Big miracle. He showed up for his people in a big way. So then he tells them, he tells his people, follow me. We're going to go on this journey through the desert, and we're going to find this land. It's going to be amazing. There's, it's going to be flowing with milk and honey, and it's going to be awesome. You're going to settle there, and you're going to be free there, and it's going to be awesome. So if you know anything about the story of the Israelites, uh, you probably know their journey does not end up being quite that simple. There are some twists and turns. Um, so they get sidetracked. And it's their fault, like it's the people of Israel's fault, because constantly they're rebelling against God. They're turning away from God. They're choosing other gods 
when the, when the God that set them free out of Egypt is saying, hey, you follow me, I'm going to give you amazing things. They just can't quite get it. So God extends their journey, and he teaches and corrects them, and he kind of molds them into the Israelite people as they're walking through the desert. We're big into mountaintop experiences here as you may have heard before. So in Exodus 20, God sends Moses to the mountain yet again. And this time, God gives Moses guidelines for the people of Israel. So if you are going to be my people, this is how you should live. Guidelines for the people of Israel to follow. We know those guidelines today as, anybody? The commandments. Yes, the Ten Commandments. So God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. We're not going to go through all of them today, but we're going to talk about the very first one. Exodus 20 says this. Then God gave the people all these instructions. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must not have any other God but me. At this time in history, people were worshiping a lot of different gods. So typically, depending on the country you were in, there was a God there. Or maybe there was a God over the water, a God over the trees, a God over this and that. And there was a lot of gods going around. None of them we're real. <laughs> Our God, the true God, the ones that rescued the Israelite people out of Egypt, is the one true God. But we find that the Israelite people, when they don't feel like their God is answering their prayers the way they want them to, they had some backups. They had some backup gods. You know like when your parents take your phone, but they forgot about your iPad? Do you remember? Do you know how that, that's like? It's exactly the same way. So the Israelites are like, well, he's not listening, so let's do something. Let's, like, make a calf. Let's find another God to worship, and maybe that God will give us what we want. Maybe that God will answer our prayers the way we think they should be answered. So the hearts of the Israelites, there was competition for God's throne. There's competition for the number one spot. This word here, but, but me, no, you must not have any other God but me. Sometimes it's translated before. You, you can't have any God before the true God. And it has nothing to do with rank or order. I think that's important to say. It's not permission to worship other gods as long as you worship the true God first. It is worship no other God, full stop. That's it. You have me. You have to depend on me alone. There's no backups. There's no second place in, in the, the throne of your heart. It is just me. That's how you have to live. And that's how you will experience abundant life when you live that way. No other God. So the question is, why are we talking about this? What does this ancient event have anything to do with my life today? Because I may not be melting down Sam's earrings to craft a golden lobster in our guest room that I offer sacrifices to. That has never happened. But that doesn't mean I don't have an idol problem. Just because you are not offering sacrifices to the God of Baal does not mean that you don't have an idol problem. We are all tempted to worship the God of me. You are, worship, are tempted to worship the God of you. And so right here I have this mirror to demonstrate. You've been wondering. I, I didn't even acknowledge it. And there you are. We are all tempted to worship the God of me. And this is what it looks like when you worship the God of you. You worship the God of you when you put yourself first. You worship the God of you when you push to the front of the line, when you share some gossip about someone to put them down. You worship the God of yourself when you uh, deliberately disobey God because you're sure that you know better. It doesn't really sound great when you put it that way, right? <laughs> That's not a very tempting um, 
worship practice, but we have all been there. And I hope that you're comforted by this truth. Truth, This truth, you are not alone. This is not the first time in history where people have been tempted to worship the God of themselves. When Jesus was here on earth, even his disciples had that temptation. Even his disciples, the people that followed him around for three years, his best buddies in the world, even those ones were tempted to worship the God of themselves. James and John were called the Sons of Thunder. What a great nickname. The Sons of Thunder. Amazing. I, I believe um, Doug's like Instagram handle is Son of Thunder. Is that true? Oh, Gamertag? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's such a great name. Oh, man. I wish I'd have thought of that. He's a son of thunder. And they were called this, uh, their father's name meant thunder. That's kind of like the story. But it, it implied that they were brave. They were bold. They were a little boneheaded. They were, uh, and in this passage, we start to see that they're super focused on one thing. They are focused on their seat. They're very focused on their seat. They had such a problem with worshiping the God of me. They were trying to boss around the son of the father God. God, the Messiah on earth. They were trying to boss him around. Um, They replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor next to you, one one on your right and the other on your left. So he's like, listen, when we get up there, like when things shake out, we know it's coming. I just want to make sure we have the best spot. Because you, you know those other jokers. They may not even be around. Somebody may even give you up. I don't know. But I want to make sure that we have our seat at the right and left hand secured. And that's pretty bold to talk to Jesus that way. So this is how Jesus responds. So Jesus called them all together and said, You know that the rulers of this world will lord it over the people. And officials flaunt their authority and over uh, flaunt their authority over those under them, but among you it will be different. Another translation says, "But not so with you. Among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be leader among you must be your servant." Super weird. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else super weird. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Super weird. Could you play a little music back there for me? According to Jesus, there is a way to defeat the God of me. And this is the big idea for this evening. So hold on to your chairs. We defeat the God of me when we give up our seat. We defeat the God of me when we give up the seat we think we deserve. We defeat the God of me when we give up our seat. We defeat our tendency to idolize ourselves, to put ourselves on a pedestal and say, I get to decide. I know what's right. We we, We defeat that tendency when we give up our seat, when we choose to go last instead of first, when we choose to give instead of take, when we choose to serve instead of being served. Think with me for a minute about how Jesus did this. As Christ followers, we know we we should be following Jesus' example. And he pulled the ultimate giving up his seat. Look at this passage in Philippians. It says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. What he appeared, when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God 
and died a criminal's death on a cross. This is what he did. He gave up his seat. He gave up his seat. And he had a really high seat. Like God creator of the universe, it doesn't get much higher than that seat. He had a really high seat, but he get, in some ways he gave up his divinity to be with us because of his love for us. He took the form of his creation, came down, and he didn't just become human. He died a gruesome human death for us because in his death, we have life. Jesus is really good at pulling life out of death. He did that in my life, in many of the stories here in this room. But he died on the cross so that we could have eternal life, so that we could have abundant life, abundant life. <laughs> and Jesus is calling us to follow his example, to live not clinging to the seat that we were given or we think we deserve, but giving up our seat. We defeat the God of me when we give up our seat, just like Jesus did. And I hope this is something that you want to do. So let's talk about how you know you're worshiping the God of me. Well, you just look at the way James and John did some things, and you're going to see it. When you act selfishly, when you speak arrogantly, when you respond defensively. So what do you do to stop worshiping the God of me? Let's try the opposite. Act selflessly. That means go last. Have you ever, now this is not a be all how you decide if you're a servant or not, but have you ever chosen to go last in line? Have you ever like raced to, a, to, the, to the shotgun in a car? And be like, you got it. Now that, that, there's nothing sinful about saying shotgun, but, the, but, but if you're trying to train your heart to give up your seat, sometimes you gotta give up your seat. Act selflessly put somebody else per first serve the people around you so act selflessly speak generously speak well of someone else before yourself that's a challenge for you every time you catch yourself saying something good about yourself immediately challenge yourself to say something nice about somebody else hopefully then you'll start to catch yourself before you say something about yourself and you can just replace it instead of saying something good about yourself just say something nice about somebody else give up your seat. Practice encouraging others because of who they are, how they have impacted you. Say thank you. This is huge. Apologize. Your words have power. So when you use your words, when you speak generously, it can shift your attitude from the inside out or from the outside in, I guess. If you're speaking generously, it's going to change the way you think, the way you act. Because just because of your words, your words have power. Act self speak generously, respond humbly. So be quicker to listen than you are to speak. That's a position of humility. Give up your seat. If you think, you, I deserve to be heard, I deserve to speak my truth, maybe for a second, listen if you're in a conflict. Assume you still have so much to learn. Even if you're a genius, you're not. Even if if you're a genius, listen as if you have a lot to learn to the people around you. Sometimes they're going to say stupid things, and that's fine. But you're going to teach yourself to respond humbly. Here's another one where apologize when you're wrong. 
There is nothing, to me, there's nothing more humbly than saying, there's nothing more humble than saying, I'm sorry. There is just no way for me to be more like, I just like picture humility like, uh, you know, like, I'm sorry. That's like an ugly picture of humility, which is not good. Because humility is such a sign of strength. But use apologies to train yourself to respond humbly. Act selflessly. Speak generously. Respond humbly. The God of me is not a God you want to serve. When you serve the God of you, you hurt yourself, you hurt other people, and you miss out on God's best for you. You miss out on abundant life that God wants to give you when you put yourself on the pedestal. This week, it's my prayer that you would be able to see the ways in your life that you are worshiping the God of you, that you would see the damage that it causes and the things you miss out on because you're worshiping the God of you. And my prayer is that you would choose to give up your seat. Because when we defeat the God of me, when we give up our seat. We defeat the God of me when we give up our seat. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word and for what we can learn about the idols we put in our lives before you. And and that we are not the first ones to mess up like this. I thank you for that comfort that we see in your word that people have messed up in this way, have put themselves on a pedestal and have worshiped the God of themselves and they still get to be used by you. And I I thank you so much that you still use broken people. So God, tonight, I pray that you would craft us and mold us just as you worked on your people through the desert. I pray that you would work on us. Help us to reserve the throne of our heart for you. Help us to give up that seat and give it to you. I pray you give us opportunities this week that you remind us of what we talked about in here. When we're talking about something that we think we're great at, help us, remind us to say something encouraging about someone else. When we race to be first, remind us to maybe let somebody else go first. Help us to train ourselves to act selflessly, speak generously, and respond humbly because we want you on the throne of our hearts. Help us to pry ourselves away from that seat because we defeat the God of me when we give up our seat. We love you. We praise you. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Apex Student Podcast. You can listen to more Apex teachings by subscribing on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We pray that this message has impacted your life and that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus.